You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Open your Bibles to Psalm 73. So excited to be with you. Welcome to church today. Yay! I love church these days and being together. And it's uh, a renewed gratitude and the privilege of being able to do so. This is message number two in our mini-series, it's the thought that counts, and you see our tagline there, how the way we think, how the way we think impacts the way we live, how the way we think impacts the way we live. Hey, it's so good to see you. I love it. My heart is full, praise the Lord. I love that too. And by faith, so good to see you through the camera there as well for those who are at home right now. So last week, if you were with us, and I pray that you were, Um, Asaph, who wrote this song, we learned that he was subject to some stinking thinking, okay? He had some real negativity going on, and it was really causing him some problems. But we see in Psalm 73 that today's a new day. Today's a different day. In this psalm right now, Asaph is going to say, man, I turned the corner. Um, I renewed my mind. I'm thinking differently. Um, I'm living differently. I'm seeing differently. Today's a new day. Aren't you so glad that the mercies of God are new every morning? Aren't you so glad for that? Like no matter where you've been or what you've done, but here today, Jesus Christ hasn't returned yet. So today in the age of grace and the chance to start afresh and the chance to seek the Lord, this is the encouragement we get from God's word today. So Asaph, again, in the first half, his, his, his mind was clouded, um, but he's about to see clearly. Storm clouds that were dangerous, sat upon Asaph's mind. And these storm clouds resulted in deception that was overcoming him. Like he was in a really bad spot. But we're going to see now today that instead of storm clouds, there's the blue, clear sky um, of the Holy Spirit that are about to bless him. You can say it this way. The fog of forgetfulness had confused him. Again, in a bad spot, in a bad direction, with some really bad thinking. But then the sunshine of God's truth caused that fog to dissipate. This is what we see today. Super encouraging, filled with hope, and such great instruction. So this for Asaph could not come too soon. He was desperately in need of some godly discernment, some biblical discernment. And that's our sermon title today. We are desperately in need of discernment. And so we're going to waste no more time. We're going to jump right in. And so watch this as we get to point number one. It's this, the turning point of clear thinking. The turning point of clear thinking, it's the sanctuary of God. I love this point. Love it so much. So look at Psalm 73, verse 16. Okay, We touched on this a little bit last week. It is so uh, worthy to go back over again. Verse 16, but when I thought how to understand this, all his stinking thinking from before, it seemed to me a wearisome task. He's just tired of the thought. Until I went into the sanctuary of God and I discerned their end. Okay, so it's powerful to understand right here, verses 16 and 17. As Asaph is removed from the sanctuary of God, and therefore God's people and God's truth. Listen carefully. Everyone watching at home, listen up, okay? As he is removed from God's sanctuary, everything starts to fall apart in his life. 
The more he is removed from the sanctuary of God, the more he is distant from God himself in some form, and everything starts to fall apart again apart in his life. Why? Because the sanctuary of God represents the word of God, the truth of God, the house of God, the people of God, the wisdom of God, the light of God, the love of God, the power of God, and the glory of God, and I could go on. So can you imagine then, as you remove yourself from the sanctuary of God, can you imagine then, or if you distance yourselves from such power, what are you left with? As you distance yourself away from God's sanctuary and really God's power and truth and wisdom and love and glory upon your life, well, you're left with the counsel of yourself, and then you are very subject to the temptation of the counsel of Satan. And any individual who leaves the sanctuary of God for the sanctuary of self and Satan, well, that's not going to end well. And instead of discernment, you end up with deception. And this has been tragic through the history of humanity. Do you know the number one reason why pastors ultimately leave the ministry? All the factors in church and all the things that go on. But the number one reason, studies have proven and shown, the number one reasons pastors leave the ministry is their relationship with God begins to suffer. It always starts with a small step towards a disastrous big change. And pastors themselves will begin to leave the sanctuary of God and begin to get into places they are no longer in, a, in an intimate relationship and pursuing the Lord. And it starts from there. It goes downhill, downhill, downhill from there. Of course, then there's zero surprise that the greatest reason people will fall away from the church and the Lord is because they become distant from the church and therefore from God. It's no surprise also that Satan's greatest tactics then are what? Upon people, Satan's greatest tactics are isolation. Have you heard that term recently? Isolation, distraction, worldly temptation, and overriding discouragement. These are Satan's greatest tactics in seeking to cause people to distance themselves from God and therefore to see their relationship with God weakened. The season we are in and have been in, this COVID season, COVID is tempting some believers to think that they don't need the physical church and the body of Christ. I've heard it. I'm sure you've heard it too. It's, it's, it's tempting believers to think unbiblically that somehow they can do this on their own apart from the people of God and the gathered word of God and the pursuit together corporately again for the glory of God. And so it's such an important time to think carefully and to make sure we know how we're thinking, what we're thinking, and where we're headed as a result, whether in here right now or watching online right now. It's so important to think this through. Self-awareness in this regard can be such a massive help in wisdom. So this only heightens verse 17 where he says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, it is then that I found a sermon that would change my life. My paraphrase. When I went to the sanctuary of God, it is then I saw clearly. It is then I found wisdom. It is then I saw hope. It was then I had a renewed mind. It is then that everything changed for Asaph. And that is so true. Can you imagine the reality of how mad Satan is about this message right now and the topics we are talking about right now today too? 
This is the exact opposite of what he wants. To understand the power of God's sanctuary and God's truth and God's wisdom and God's glory and God's love and God's light to shine again within the darkness. Satan is terrified of the sanctuary of God as Psalm 73 represents because all the glorious power is held there. Consider again the importance and the beauty and design of God's church for God's people. I'm telling you, you're watching right now, you're listening in here, listen, listen, it's so important. This season, do not allow physical distance to result in spiritual distance. I'll say it again. Do not, whatever you can do not allow physical distance to result in a spiritual distance because that's when people really get hurt. Asaph's life was totally changed and it was in direct proportion to his proximity in regards to the sanctuary of God. Distance from that, far from God, life started falling apart. He gets returned and reconciled in that sense to God, his relationship with him, and everything again starts to kind of make sense again. His whole life is changed. That's why Hebrews chapter 10 Do not neglect in meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day, capital D, day drawing near. What we're doing right now is incredibly important to the Spirit of God. A biblical command, again, in gathering together to make sure that we're not letting distance from God occur as we seek to be so close to Him. I'll say it again, man. Again, whether you're at home right now, whether you're here right now, throughout the week, Resolve to take steps towards the Lord and his people. However you can do that. Be so mindful of what's happening, where you are, where you're situated, what direction you're going in. We have to think so clearly of the power of what's being said. I love that Asaph, he entered the sanctuary of God and everything began to change for him. So that's point number one. Let's move on to point number two then. We see the turning point of clear thinking. Now number two, we see the fruit now of clear thinking, which is godly discernment. He needed discernment so much. He goes into God's sanctuary and then his mind is renewed and he starts thinking so differently. He starts thinking in terms of godly discernment. This will be the bulk of our message now uh, remaining here. We're going to see four fruits of discernment from Asaph in the remainder of Psalm 73. Here's discernment number one. Here's what Asaph discerns. The first part of his renewed mind, it's this. Worldly prosperity is pretense. First thing he discerns, worldly prosperity is pretense. So look at verse 18 now, okay? So in verse 18, he goes in the sanctuary, he discerns the end. He says, truly you have set them, that's the wicked, in slippery places. Remember earlier in this, he was like, man, I almost stumbled and fall. Now he sees the real danger of those stumbling and fall are those, again, who are far from God. You make them fall to ruin. Verse 19, how they are destroyed in a moment swept away utterly by terrors like a dream when one awakes O lord when you rouse yourself you despise them as phantoms wow i mean talk about a turning point of perspective in this psalm look at the end of verse 17 at the end of verse 17 he says and i discerned their end that phrase their end literally it means their afterward 
I discerned their eternal reality. I discerned their doom. I discerned the consequence of a life that has rejected God and lived only for the things of this earth. All of a sudden, Asaph sees eternity. So this is so important to you. Okay, don't miss this. His stinking thinking was temporal. His godly thinking went eternal. It's hard for me to overstate that principle based on the Bible. How many times the Bible implores believers and Christ followers to think and live for eternal things over and over and over again. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Our citizenship is in heaven, for we wait for the kingdom that is to come, and Jesus prepares a place for us, and the heavenly city that will be ours. Over and over and over and over again, it says, do not live for now, live for the world to come. Paul Tripp constantly reminds us that we have eternity amnesia. We constantly forget of the reality of our lives that will be lived out in eternity. Again, don't, don't, don't miss it here. Are you a wise man or woman? One of, the, one of the surest signs of godly wisdom and discernment is that we are thinking eternally. We put so much stock in earthly stocks. But wisdom says, in the end, the value of those stocks, as many as you might have, will come to zilch. Think about that. Okay, this is, this is a moment right now of wisdom. Maybe your occupation is investing in certain stocks. Maybe your occupation is not investing in certain stocks, but it might as well be your occupation based on the amount of time and energy you give to that. Maybe your desire is for certain investments of the earth and all that thing is you're spending so much time thinking, listen, you have to understand as a true Christ follower, if that's your life, you have to know in the end, those investments you care about so much right now, in the end, they will be worth absolutely nothing in terms of eternity. Okay, so that's what wisdom understands. Why would I spend my entire life for that which something God says has no value? In fact, to do that would make you one thing. What's that? Dumb. Or we like to say around here, stupid. Right? Doesn't it make sense? If Jesus says so clearly, everything you're living for ultimately has no value, and you're like, I know, I'm going all in for that. And like, well, you're the, that, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Is that fair? And this is what Asaph is telling us. He's learned everything I thought I wanted turns out to be have no value and no eternal purpose or meaning. So one of the great freedoms of biblical discernment is that treasure on earth will burn along with those who live for it. Not my words, it's going to be the words of God coming up. Wisdom says earthly prosperity is an illusion. It appears to be a strong foundation, but it's actually a slipping hazard of destruction. That's verse 18. Look at verse 19. The wicked will be, quote, destroyed in a moment. You know what's amazing to me about this psalm? In the first half of the psalm, Asaph is like, I want to trade places with those people who have all the stuff. How come I can't get that? How come I aren't being blessed well? How come I don't have what they have? How come the wicked seem to be blessed and prosperous, but I'm here doing it? At the beginning of the psalm, he's like, I want to be them, or I want to have what they have. By the end of the psalm, he's like, get me away. I can't believe it. They're doomed for destruction. All they need is the Lord. What a turning point. You see that? Stinking thinking is, I want that, give me that, I live for that. Godly discernment says, why would I want what has no value? 
all, all I, you're all I want, you're all I've ever needed, Lord, because he's the true treasure and the true satisfaction. This is where Asaph comes to. That's so exciting. One of my greatest joys over the years, men and women walked into this church. They've walked in clouded, dead, confused, living, greed, selfishness, hoarding. They walk in here. Jesus Christ absolutely transforms them in the gospel. They are made new. They are alive. They, 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 they come to newness in life and everything changes. And these men and women, you see them, they go from greed to generosity. They go from hoarding to heavenly minded. They go from selfishness to the love of Christ and blessing others. Their entire life changes from totally living for self to totally living for Christ. It is one of the most beautiful things you could ever see. And you know what I'm talking about. It's the greatest thing. You're watching what only God can do. The fruit of the gospel of a renewed mind and living for the things that truly last, the things of Jesus Christ. And let's remember here what, what, what Asaph's telling us in really sobering terms is that Verse 20, actually, if you look at verse 20, like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. So a life of worldliness is a dream that is soon to be awakened. And when they awake, they will realize it's actually an eternal nightmare. Asaph says, man, worldly prosperity, it's a sham. It's a sham. Don't believe it. It's pretense. If you want some further cross-references in this regard, let's, let's go to the New Testament for a few verses, some verses we know. Mark 8, for what does it profit a man, Jesus says, to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Isn't that it's such a good word, isn't it? I've, just, I've always, always loved this verse. Like Jesus just he says it in a sentence. You get the whole world, yet you forfeit your soul. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? The answer is no. Let's go to the next slide. Luke 12, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you because you built all these big barns. But the thing is, is that the things you've prepared, whose will they be? You, God's, God's calling these people a fool. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. A couple of verses from James. Let's go to James chapter 1. These verses, these verses are penetrating. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. What's the point of Here it is. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Wow. Can you say North America? I mean, honestly, like, just look at how clear the word. As the grass goes up and then it fades and withers, whatever, the whole point. So is the rich man. He will fade away in the midst of his or her pursuits. And then this last verse here from James chapter 5. When the last time you've read this verse? Like, this is the New Testament. Look what it says here. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. Wait, time. That's in the New Testament? Yes. Yes. I mean, you can look it up yourself. Make sure I'm not making it up. Look at, look at what it's saying. Your silver and gold have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. My goodness. You've laid up your treasure in last days. I mean, a biblical theology, Asaph, all this, Asaph's like, amen, man. I learned that, I learned that the hard way. 
Asaph understands, listen, worldly prosperity is pretense. And I went to the sanctuary of God and I discerned that. I want to live for that. I want to live for what the wicked are living for. I want to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Discernment number one, worldly prosperity is pretense. Discernment number two now, now that we move on to more personal, the Lord is with me. Here's what he discerned in God's sanctuary. The Lord is with me. Look at verse 21. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. So this is interesting. Notice here, Asaph is confessing that his stinking thinking led him to become, watch this, embittered, pricked in heart, brutish and ignorant. Isn't that so true? Like when you have a renewed mind, when you are broken, surrendered before the Lord, you can, all of a sudden, you, you, you have your mind is, is, is purified in God's truth and you look back at the last week or month or maybe last year or more years and you're like, wow, I was such an idiot. You know what I'm saying? Like you look back and you're like, what was I thinking? How did I live that way? What, what was going on? You look back and you're like, I was such an idiot. Lord, have mercy upon me. I'm so thankful for now I can see. That's what Asaph is doing right here. I was embittered, brutish, ignorant. Notice he also says in verse 22, look at verse 22, what, what sticks out to you there? He says, I was like a beast towards you. Why would he say that? Why would he say I was like a beast towards you? Well, because animals, beasts, animals, have no sense of eternity. I mean, have you seen the squirrels out, outside? Have you seen the... The different forms of, you know, bird lovers, they, they, they are simply living from one meal to the next, okay? No offense all the dog lovers in the house, all right? Dog lovers, that's great. Cats, be whatever. But if you notice, like, how hungry the dog is for the next meal, he'll do anything. Sit, roll down, roll over, all that kind of stuff. Whatever. Just get the next, just famish. Sits at the table, wants to beg, 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 beg. Wants the meal, wants the meal, wants the meal. All he's thinking about is the next meal. Yeah, he can have fun, man's best friend, da, 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 all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, he's living for the next meal. And in some ways you can't. He's an animal. He's a beast. Just longing for it. They're not thinking of eternity. The animal has no concept. No concept of life after death. And Asaph's like, I was like that. I was so living for the world that I might as well have been a beast. An animal. Because I had no concept of eternity. I mean, please Lord, may we not be living like that. But many, many, many humans are. They simply live for the next moment of pleasure, satisfaction, temporal fulfillment, food, whatever it might be, with no understanding of eternity and what's coming. That is the opposite of wisdom. But now with clear thinking, listen to what he says. Verse 23 Nevertheless, even though I was like this, even though I was like an animal before you, I am continually with you, God. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. What is happening here? He is describing in New Testament terms our union with Christ. He says, I am continually with you, God. Why? Because you hold my hand. Because you are with me. Three things he says there. He says, you hold my hand, you guide me with your counsel, you will receive me into glory. So church right now, everyone at home, listen up so carefully here. Glean some discernment right now. Gather some gospel wisdom. Because of the gospel, because we are children of God by Jesus Christ, here's what we know. 
before the foundations, if you're alive in Jesus Christ right now, if you are genuinely alive in Jesus Christ, think about this. The Lord shows you before the foundations of the world. He called you with his gospel. He regenerated you by his Holy Spirit. He converted you with the message of Jesus Christ. He justified you in his sight. He adopted you into his family. He's sanctifying you currently into the image of his son. And one day soon you will be glorified when he personally receives you into glory for all of eternity. Some of you say right now, man, I wish he would remind me of the stuff. He is right now. He's reminding you of this right now. The truth of why we live. Consider what Asaph's saying. You hold my hand, you guide me with counsel, and you will receive me into glory. Consider his purpose, his power, his perspective, his passion, his purity of mind that this brings. Power, the power of understanding why we live. The songs we sing, the hymns we sing sometimes, this is a verse that makes so much sense here right now that we can apply right now in this, in this moment of this passage. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, I do now receive him more than all in him I find. Because he has granted me forgiveness. And then we love this, this line right here. And therefore, this Asaph's like, I am his and he is mine. Like just, just because of the gospel, I, I received the gift of eternal life through forgiveness of sins. All that I want and need is found in Jesus Christ. I am forgiven eternally. I am the Lord's. And the Lord is mine. I am the Lord's. And the Lord is mine. How awesome is that? That child's excited about that truth right there. That's so good. And we need to be excited about that truth so much as well. Let me ask you this right now too, okay? Let me ask you this. All genuine Christ followers in the house today, all watching, all genuine Christ followers right now, okay? With this truth, the Lord holds my hand. I am with him forever. I am his, he is mine, okay? Fear is the order of our day. Fear is running our society. Fear. Christ follower. What are you afraid of? I want to ask you that again. As as a follower of Jesus Christ, fear is running our day. Christ follower, tell me, what is it that you are afraid of? You say, well, at the end of the day, Robbie, I'm afraid of death. Why? Why? Why are you so afraid of death? I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm not trying to be a smarter. I'm just, I, honestly, what is it that we are afraid of? Why are, we afraid? Why are we afraid of death when death has no hold on us and no victory? Death, where is your sting? In fact, when I die, I I start to live. I understand we struggle. I understand we have good days and bad days. I'm not belittling that in the least. I just want us to get our theology in light of what we say we believe. What are we ultimately afraid of? Because fear is running our day. Fear cannot run the Christ follower. Decisions are being made en masse right now based on fear. The reason we are all wearing masks right now in this place, the largest reason for that is fear. Please, no emails on masks. Please, 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 okay? Just, just li- li- listen to what I'm trying to say. I want to think behind what's happening. The understanding of the reasons we're doing the things that we are doing, right? We are living right now, again, in a reality, we'll get to this in just a second, of massive 
self-preservation. Why? Because we're so afraid. But I just think as brothers and sisters, if we ask these hard questions to each other, we have to be able to give answers. What are we so afraid of? And how powerful it is. Asaph's going to say in a moment, he's like, listen, my flesh and heart may fail. I can die. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In your face, death. That, that is the way we are called to live. And how can he say this? Because the Lord is with me. The Lord holds my hand and he will never, ever let go. Isaiah 41, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amazing. The Lord is with me. He discerns this and falls right into the next. He says, the Lord is all I need. The Lord is all I need. Look at, look at verse 25 now. Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. Man, how awesome it is. Not just to say that, but to mean it and live it. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength. The strength of my heart and my portion forever. Look, okay, watch, okay, watch, watch. Look at what his renewed mind is doing. His renewed mind is like, the Lord is my satisfaction. He's now saying and living, you're all I want, you're all I've ever needed. Like he's, just, he's, just, he's like, yes, Lord, you are. Help me know you are near. There's no one else I need, nothing else I need. The joy, the freedom, the peace. Lord, you are my satisfaction. You are my salvation, he says. Again, again, this... The season we live in, as I just mentioned, of of immense self-preservation. How awesome and powerful it is to know the Lord is my strength. My portion forever. You know, Malcolm Muggeridge, he was the renowned 20th century English journalist. He experienced a powerful conversion to Christ later on in life, had a huge impact upon him, how he thought, obviously, the way he lived. Listen to what he said. about I've loved this quote for many years. He says, I may suppose regard myself as a relatively successful man. People occasionally stare at me in the streets. That's fame. I can fairly easily earn enough to qualify for admissions to the highest slopes of the eternal revenue. That's success. Furnished with money and a little fame, even the elderly, if they care to, may partake in a little trendy diversions or leisure. That's pleasure. It might happen once in a while that something I said or wrote was sufficiently heated for me to persuade myself that it represented a serious impact on our time. That's fulfillment. Then he says this. Did I say to you and beg you to believe me? Multiply these tiny triumphs by a million. Add them all together and they are nothing. Less than nothing. Indeed, a positive impediment when measured against one drop of that living water Christ offers to the spiritually thirsty irrespective of who or what they are. Can I get an amen? That is so awesome. He's saying here, he's like, all the things the world says is what you live for. He's like, I encounter Jesus Christ and you give me one drop, one drop of living water and you will see your thirst quenched in a way the world can never imagine. He's like, you give me one drop of living water of Jesus Christ, there's nothing else I need. That's awesome. The Lord is all I need. A renewed mind discerns that truth. So maybe right now is a good time at home, a good time right here, right now, for us maybe to have a, a, a sentence of repentance as the Holy Spirit is working right now, as he is speaking to us. And maybe the sentence, it goes like this. Lord, right now I am led. I repent 
that I have trusted, lived for, loved, blank. I confess you're all I need. What would, what would you fill in the blank with right now in the past season we've, we've been? Lord, I repent that I have trusted in, loved, and longed for blank more than you. I confess today, a turning point day, that you are all I need. We are in desperately need of discernment. Asaph, he goes into the sanctuary of God. He sees worldly prosperity as pretense. The Lord is with me. He says, the Lord is all I need. And he ends with this, number four. The nearer to God, the better. That's good discernment. The nearer I can get to God, the better. Look at verse 27. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Man, like, look at the impact of God's sanctuary upon Asaph's mind. He's never seen more clearly than right now. Look, his mind is so sharp. His faith is so strong. His conviction is so precise. Pray for this for your life, church. Loved ones, pray for this. That we would have the same conviction and faith and minds that are so renewed. Notice his concluding contrast here. Notice ultimately in life, it comes down to true groups of people. Can you see it there in verse 27, 28? All of life comes down to true groups of people. What are they? Verse 27, those who are far off from God. Verse 28, those who are near to God. All of life comes down to two categories and two groups of people. Those who are far from God, they will die, they will perish. God will ensure that those who are near to God, they have life and love. They are saved by the Son and Lord Jesus Christ. They have forgiveness of sins. They have repented and confessed to Him. They are near to Him. They are adopted into His family. They will live forever. We say it again, man. Who's listening? Who needs to hear this right now? There are two categories. All of, think about it. all of our lives comes down to two categories. All the things, we, all the work, all the time, all the energy, all the family stuff, all the hobbies, all the pursuit, all the leisure, all the desires, all the gadgets, all the technology, all the social media, all that we do in life. It all comes down to one of two categories of people that we that we reside in. Am I far from God, rejecting Him? Or am I near to God, believing in his, his son, Jesus Christ, that I might be saved? Isn't that, isn't that humbling? Everything we do in the end, all that really matters, for God, against God. You know, one of the things that I'm praying that in, in days and weeks to come, we'll be able to really bring some more education and insight into this society right now that we are currently living in. There are, there are new secular religions on the rise with, with, with tremendous persuasion and cultural pressure. Like really our religions. One of the ones I think about is this, this new religion of a woke culture wrapped in, strongly wrapped in identity politics. It is a religion. There's priestess and, and priests, and if, 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 if you don't get with the doctrine of this new woke culture, you will be instantly shamed, rejected. You have to try to atone, but you can never really atone because there's no forgiveness granted in this religion. It's either you're there or you're not there. I mean, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to, you, you, you need to be aware, and I hope we can educate more as we go. This is such, this is such a massive time to think about what's happening. 
Because it is sweeping through. This woke culture, man, it's a religion. It's incredible what's being espoused. And the church that is forming around, not, not, not God's church, it's, the, it's becoming its own church. Got to think very clearly. I'm telling you, man, underneath all this, it is, it is not drawing people near to God. In the end, it is, it is so anti-Christ and anti-Bible and you got to think so clearly because at the end of the day, all that matters, you're really in two categories of people. God, help us to think, help us, help us to understand, help us to love, help us to be humble, but help us to be wise. You know a phrase that's really, really struck with me in recent that, that, um, that uh, Jesus says that I think summarizes who we are to be in our day, and Jesus said it. He says, you are to be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. That, that, I'm thinking about that a lot right now. That's in the context, I'm throwing you to the wolves. So be wise as serpents. Maybe we'll do a sermon on that at some point. And be innocent as doves. Brilliant what Jesus says. That's who we are to be. This is how we have to think. So Asaph here, his 180 degree turn on wisdom and his thinking, he's basically saying this. He says, listen, you can be near to pleasure, near to sensuality, near to a sense of morality, near to money, near to leisure, near to possessions, near to alcohol, near to luxury, near to fame, power, popularity. But if you're far from God, the end result in the text says, you shall perish and God will put an end to you. That's the bottom line. It's sobering. And it's serious. And yet Psalm 73 is a wisdom psalm. Hey, do you hear that sound? Do you hear that sound? Listen, listen. Oh, there it is. The door's knocking, and it's wisdom, and it's for you and for me. It's been a while since I said that. I missed it. Hey, do you hear that sound? The phone's ringing. The phone's ringing. I love we used to do that. Hey, the old banana phone, you know what I mean? Nowadays, it's like this, right? You're like this. Hello, hello. <laughs> Anyways, the phone is for you. It just feels better to do this. The phone's for you. It's wisdom calling. Wisdom is calling. Wisdom right now, at this point of this psalm, wisdom says, listen, are you listening to what's being said? Child, woman, man, are you listening Listening to what? This life-changing truth. What's being proposed right here within this psalm? You have to pay attention. It's Asaph's best thinking yet. The wisdom says, again, if you are far from God, man, you have no life. If you are near to God, then all of life is found there. Look what he says in verse 24. But for me, it is good to be near God. Can I get an amen? That, that Everything, everything in life. If I am near to God, I am good. Pursuing the Lord, I am good. Setting my mind on things above, I'm good. To be near, to, you know what's awesome about what Asa, remember all that he's been through. He went through such a delusional period. His mind was so corrupted. His heart was polluted. He was struggling so much. He's, he's like, what's the point? All I'm doing is in vain. And at the end, his solution with the wisdom and purity and sanctuary of God is in the end, it is good for me to be near God. I love about this truth, and I don't mean to be simple, but I think what I'm saying is so true. Whatever situation you're facing right now, whatever heartache you're up against, whatever circumstance you're fearful of, whatever family, workplace, future-related, financial, whatever, whatever, whatever thing you are 
the answer to every situation, every single one in our lives, no matter how we feel, is the nearer to God, the better. Because God is the answer to all things good. When Jesus Christ is front and center, when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, when we love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, everything in life, doesn't get easier, but everything in life starts to come into perspective. The end thing, Asaph says, it is good for me to be near God. God, draw your church, draw your people closer to you. And again, maybe, maybe you're like Asaph here, maybe... You're so thankful for Psalm 73 because here's an example of someone who went wayward. A godly man, worship leader of David. Tremendous giftedness, tremendous potential, but he had a really bad season. He drifted away from the Lord. His thinking was this. Maybe you're here right now. Maybe you're watching right now online. That's you. You went wayward. You've drifted. You've been in a really bad spot. Aren't you so encouraged though? Asaph didn't stay there. The Lord called him back. The Lord renewed his mind. The Lord put him in a stronger place he's ever been at the end of the psalm. It is good for me to be near God. That can be you today too. Not one person sitting here right now. Listen, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Forgiveness and grace offered to every single man, woman, and child who desire, who sincerely desires it. You are not too far. Today could be your day, a new day, a turning point day, a day of renewal, of revival, of reconciliation, of being restored again in the presence of God because that's how generous and awesome our God is. Asaph did it. We are being called to the same. That's encouraging. I wonder if anyone at home right now, man, that's you. Come back to the Lord. Come back to joy. Come back to freedom. Come back to life. Come back to satisfaction. Come back to the one who gives purpose. Come back to the one who allows us to live for the reason that we were born. Come back to glorifying the Lord with your life and heart and speech and will and giving and purpose. Awesome. Amen is right. And this is what the Lord allows us to do. Yes, church, draw near to the Lord. You know what I love about this, and I'll end here, the very last phrase of verse 28, the very last thing he says, I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Who does here? He's like, man, I was in such a bad spot. My mind is renewed. I'm so fired up. I love the Lord. I want to be near him. And now what? And now I got to go tell someone else. And now I have to, who do you know who's drifted? Who do you know who's discouraged? Who do you know who's thinking with a polluted mind? Who do you know that's wayward? Every single one of us called now with a desire, with a pure mind, renewed mind, to go find someone who's also been wayward and draw them back to the sanctuary of God that they too might find again the reason and joy and forgiveness and blessing and healing they so desperately need. God, work in your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. It's, it's incredible. Psalm 73, wow, what a blessing. Thank you for seeing things for the first time. Thank you for the truth that is before us. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for examples like Asaph who, who messed up because we mess up, Lord, who went wayward because we go wayward, who was thinking improperly because we think improperly. And yet, thank you, Lord, that wasn't his final destination. Thank you for the hope here. His mind renewed, his heart strong, his affections great, his giftedness lord used his love for others so clear that's that's so encouraging and so i pray you will be using this time in our church in this strange season calling people back to you 
granting us a wisdom we've never had before, allowing us to think and see and to know the presence of the Lord within our lives. Yes, Lord, maybe so. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen.